Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. But we are going to go to the Word of God. How many love it? How many brought some version of it with you, some format of it with you. Some of you got it on a phone or, yeah, this is my kind of church. A lot of good old-fashioned. Naomi's got her high-tech when she's she's bringing up the high-tech crowd. Just say, I love the Word of God. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a guide unto my path. It's a book full of promises. And they are yes and amen to those who believe. Lord, I believe today. I believe I can have what it says I can have. I believe I can do what it says I can do. And I believe I am who it says I am. Look at somebody right now and say, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. Because of this book. Bless it, Lord. Let me be a doer and not just a hearer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Last week I started talking to you out of the book of Second Peter. I, wanted to, I started talking to you really, um, really about victory. That's kind of where, and there was just a, a lot of content there last week. So I'm going to finish it up today. Let me get my little, and I'm not going to recap last week. It's on the website if you want to go uh, and listen to the first portion of this message. But it's Peter's prescription for victorious living. And and around verse 5, he starts giving a list of seven things that you're to add to your faith. And he said, if you'll add these things to your faith, you'll live in victory. You'll never stumble. That's what he said. He said, they will enable you to make your, your calling and your election sure. And so we covered a few of those things last week, but really the whole point, it's, it's not that I need to explain to you all those uh, seven um, attributes, if you will. Uh, as I mentioned last week that the Lord is, uh, I love the lists in the Bible. I think the Lord, the Lord seems to have an affinity for lists. You find them all through the Bible. And uh, Paul is one who really uses use, uh, the list format a lot. Peter, of course, as well, and, and, and others. But, um, you know, there are nine gifts of the Spirit and there are nine fruits of the Spirit. And those are the things that the Holy Spirit produces in a surrendered life, in an, in an open and in a hungry life. Peter's list here, and those are things that will, those, those nine fruits and those nine gifts, apart from the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll not have them evident in your life in a supernatural way. They're fruits of the Spirit. However, in, in these few things that Peter's talking about, um, he's telling you, he's telling us, you need to add these things to your faith. Over in verse 5, he says, but, for, but also for this very, very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And then he goes through the, the list, virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and, and so on. Um, I covered three of those last week. I'm just going to go through the last four and just mention them. And at times, whenever you look at this, you will uh, they're, they're more than just emotional positivity. They're actually things that you're going to have to pray at, and it's going to take discipline in your life. Some of those things you'll naturally have. Some people are just naturally patient. 
I was never one of those. And you all know what it takes for patience to come, right? And tribulation works patience. And I don't say, oh man, I've been through, through, through so much tribulation in my life. But I will say that I've become much more endowed with patience at the season I'm in now than, than when I started out uh, this whole thing following Jesus. So I went, went through, just like you all have, uh, went through my fair share, and I can, I can testify. You know, the word is true. Uh, when you go through stuff, one of, the, one of the fruits of it is that it makes you able to persevere, makes you patient. You don't have to be just having to have everything all at once. And I'm, I'm just going to touch these uh, last four things, and then we're going to go on into what I, I want to really talk to you about today. Um, and so we ended last week in verse 5 with, with knowledge. Add to, uh, add to your virtue knowledge. That seeking, that wanting to investigate, that wanting to know more about the things of God. That's what he's really saying. How many, it's, you already have that, right? I can tell you already have that. It's like, that's already there within you. Somehow in your journey of faith, you ha- I want to know more about him. Praise God for that. Peter said that's part of living a victorious life. The other thing about this is um, I liken it to kind of a chemistry uh, application. When you take all of these things and you add them together, they become more than just the individual parts. They become uh, a recipe, if you will, for victorious living. So if you're in some area of your life and you're like, man, I just can't seem to get over this, you need to, you need to address this list because the Bible's true. When you get these things all added together, something supernatural takes place within you that lends to and brings you into victory. Um, but in verse 6, he, he's going on, he said, uh, to knowledge, he said, to knowledge, add self-control. That whole idea of, um, of, of being able to not be controlled by outside things, but having the ability to master uh, your own weaknesses, I guess, if you will. And we all have weaknesses, right? The devil reminds you all the time, right? like you needed reminding. We're all usually painfully aware of our weaknesses. But Peter's saying, and add to yourself self-control. Do you think Do you think Peter might have been specially qualified to speak to the whole idea of dealing with weaknesses? I think he learned some things after the garden and after that. Oh, he wasn't perfect, because still when you go into the book of Acts, you find Peter, when he was with the Jews, uh, Peter just, you know, Peter for a while kind of had a thing where he... He wanted to be liked, I guess, like none of us know what that's about. So when he was with the Jews, he was kind of catering to what their theological ideas were. Then when he was with the Gentiles, and Paul finally called him out and said, listen, buddy, you gotta, you're going to have to, you know, yeah, you're going to have to get it squared away. Uh, and he did. He did. He finally became, he became the, the lead pastor at the church at Rome. Catholics make a big deal out of that. But before that all took place, I mean, that's why. And so he's telling them in verse 6, he said, you know, you need to add self-control. And then to self-control, perseverance or, or, or patience. Uh, that, that, that whole idea of patience is cheerful endurance. It's one thing to endure just because you've got to grit your teeth and endure it. It's another thing to rejoice. You know what sets your praise and our worship apart from what happens in heaven with the angels? They worship God. They're the choir of heaven. There's an innumerable host, and it's loud. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you get to praise him when you're in pain. You get to worship when it's all going bad. You get to say, in spite of my circumstances, I give you glory, God. Job said, even if you slay me, I'm going to trust you. That's, that is what the Father says. I'm seeking, and when I find it, I just set up camp right there, and I make my abode in the middle of it. That was happening here today, 
You know how I know? Because I know, even with a crowd like this, there are people here that you got stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And I don't even need to fill in the blanks. You know what you're, t- you know, you got, you're dealing with things in your life that you're just having to just grit your teeth sometimes, get through it. And yet you're here on a Sunday morning, you're lifting your hands, you're clapping, and the worship team's singing, you're, I hear the voices, and I don't hear very good, but I hear the voices coming over from the back of my, of, of the room, and I'm like, thank God we're here, and we're worshiping and praising God. He loves it. Patience, that cheerful endurance. Verse 6, and he said to patience, add godliness. And it's, you know, uh, real quick, it's, this isn't just about holiness or being like it. It's really having, what he's talking about here is having a Godward attitude. That is, in your life, everything about you as much as you can, you're focusing, you're looking for where heaven's involved in, what you, in what's going on. How is my, it, it, my eyes are set on him. I have a Godward attitude. You add that to all of these things. And, it, you know, having a Godward attitude is not just what's going on on Sunday morning when you're in church. You need to have that on Monday morning or you're getting up and in the traffic jam or whatever other thing you find yourself in. Verse 7, I love this one. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. We have a daughter named Samantha, and she's a wonderful young woman and married now to a young man named Chris and won't go into all that, but just the joy of life. They live in Santa Cruz, California. And, and uh, there was a time in Samantha's life when she was, she was never rebellious. But pray for Chris. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to say anything more. Okay, uh, they're, they're doing great. But she, you know, she's got a strong will. And... Um, and I ministered to her. We prayed every night. We read the word every night before we went to bed. We lived it. We walked it. We did all that. And um, I don't know. She was maybe 10 or something like that. Long red hair and dressing a little, her little summer dress. And we went to a church called Jubilee Christian Center. Dick Burnell, San Jose, Milpitas. Thousands of people. We were kind of down, you know, three or four rows in the back. Great choir. All this stuff. It was wonderful. Pastor Dick got up, preached a great message. And at the end, he gave an altar call for people to get saved. Now, a lot of the Oakland Raiders and football players, pro, pro athletes, went to that church. It was kind of that type of church. And they were the, they were the guys that stood up front that protected. <laughs> we don't need it here, trust me. But uh, Pastor Dick needed protection, I guess. And, and so they were And they gave the altar call. And I'm standing there. I've got Samantha's hand. And all of a sudden, she just pulled her hand away. I'm like, what? And she took off running. Her little flip-flops were flopping and her hair was bobbing. And she ran right through. And those big old pro football guys, she made a move and right around them. I'm like, wow. And she ran and she grabbed Pastor Dick by the, by the waist. And they everybody looked. And he said, are you, are you okay? And she said, I want Jesus. I'm going to tell you the best altar call we've ever been part of. She got saved that day in Pastor Dick's church. Got in the car and I'm like, Sam. And she goes, Pastor Dick's my pastor. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Whatever it takes, baby. Whatever it takes. Brotherly kindness is the love of the brethren. The love of the brethren is released in relationships. That's why you need to be in the house of God. It's not about position. It's not about titles. It's just about being together. Peter said, add to your godliness. Add to your Godward attitude. Add to it this brotherly, this, this love of the brethren. So Samantha, after that, a few years later, teenage, all that, and she was starting to, you know, sow her wild oats and all that. And Susan and I were praying. And, I, and, and um, one day in prayer, the Lord spoke to my wife and he said, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And then I, saw, I watched my wife just pour it on. We both poured it on. 
She's loving Jesus today. <laughs> it works. Easiest thing in the world is to tell them what for. And sometimes that's needed. You know, sometimes rebuke is it's in there too. But there, this brotherly kindness, there's something there that's exceedingly powerful. You need to add it to your life. Uh, charity, verse 7. He said to brotherly kindness, add this, um, you know, uh, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Love. Well, I thought that's what brother, brotherly kindness is different. Like charity is Christian love that's known from the actions that it takes. It's easy to say you love Jesus, but what are you doing that really demonstrates that you love Jesus? That's what he's really talking about. Okay, and he goes, with, he goes through those, those things. You can read the, the rest of your life, and what he's saying is that if you, if you have these things um, added to your faith, they're evident in your life, for if you do these things, you'll never stumble. That's an incredible guarantee. That's an incredible statement, actually. Uh, Peter was highly anointed by God. And so it wasn't just Peter saying, hey, I've learned a few things. This is what the Holy Spirit is speaking through this apostle to all of us in this whole realm and avenue of victory. Listen, victory comes from God, but you have a part within it. You're going to have to add some things in your life if you really want to live a victorious life. It's not going to happen with you just having people pray for you. And I believe in people praying for you. But you're going to have to participate somewhere along the line. Peter gave seven errors. He said, if you, if you work these things with your faith, you'll never stumble. Um, victory is this. I'm going to give a definition, and we'll spend the rest of our few minutes here talking a little bit about how it works, how to get it, how to live in it, and uh, walk it out. Um, nothing, victory is nothing outside of God's will and pur- purpose dominating you. When there are things outside of God's will and God's purpose dominating you, in that area that you're being dominated, you don't have victory. And so that's the area that the Holy Spirit wants to come and minister to you greatly. And I can tell you this. It is God's will. It is one of the things that Jesus died on the cross so that you can live in victory. He wants you to live in victory. Verse 11. Let's just read that a little bit. For the, so an entrance. He said, if you have these things, you'll never stumble. Verse 10. Now, verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have a way in. There is an entrance that he has made for you. There is a... Um, uh, a way for you uh, to to get in. This word entrance is not a noun. It's not, oh, there's the door and the emphasis on the door. It's not, the, it's the verb. It's not about there's the door. No, it's about you going through the door. The entrance is you going in. There's a way in for you to have victory in your life. And the enemy wants to just lie to you over and over again and say, you're never, ever going to get on top of this. There's probably a few of you that have heard that lie of the enemy that come. I know I used to hear it. We all have heard it. And uh, But here we're going through, and, and, and Peter is telling us, for an entrance will be supplied to you. He's going to make a way for you to be able to go in and get it. There's a full supply. That is, whatever it takes for you to get through where you're at and through the door into his victory, there's a full supply of heaven, enough for that to empower you and energize you to make the journey in. That's what he's talking about. And his kingdom is an endless kingdom. And he, we, we have the supply to bring us in abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord. That uh, whole idea of this kingdom of the Lord being everlasting is, first, it was here before you ever got here. Jesus was in charge a long time before you were, before you came on the scene. It's here right now. That's where victory is. You can live in the, uh, uh, in the, in the uh, everlasting kingdom of God right now. And whenever you're gone, guess what? It's going to last a whole lot longer. It's going to last forever. He wants you to be a part of that kingdom. God's purpose and plan for your life is that you can live with his touch upon your life and live in the middle of a dark, sin-sick, just, uh, uh, just messed-up world, and yet in the middle of it, live in victory. Over in John 16, Jesus said this. He said, be of good cheer. 
Now, before that, I didn't read that part. He said, you're going to, you're going to have some tribulation. There are going to be some, some, some tough times. But then he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You have something to be happy about today. And it's not what you've done. It's what he's done. Now, when he said, I've overcome the world, uh, uh, you all know, especially here in this area, you all know, you all know some Greek language. The word that, the base word that this word overcome is, uh, Nike, it's Nike. Okay. Yeah. That's Nike got the name from the Greek language. It, and it means to subdue or conquer. The whole idea with them is you buy our shoes and you're going to be a winner and they're 200 bucks. <laughs> Who's the winner? Yeah. Uh, uh, but Jesus said, be of, be of good cheer. I have Nike the world. I have overcome the world and I've made it available to you. Jesus made the way. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. He beat, he beat every, um, uh, obstacle there was. He overcame sin and death and hell and the grave. And he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world and I made it so that you can be a partaker of the same victory that I won. You can have the benefits of it. Last Monday night in the men's Bible study, we were finishing up our, our study on the book of Romans. And, uh, part of it was dealing with we're more than conquerors. And um, Dan did such a good job with, and, and, and the guy is all uh, uh, pitching in with that. Uh, and, and basically what we came up with is that to be more than a conqueror is to win without having to fight the battle. That's what Jesus did. Jesus did the Nike. And he made it available to us. You can wear them free of charge. You just have to give everything you have to him. And, uh, and he said, uh, you can be happy about it. And here's the thing about victory. Um, the joy of the Lord is, this, is our strength, right? Y'all, y'all have heard that, and that's um, a very uh, wonderful truth. But victory is designated, and really the fruit of it isn't that you're walking around and like, I'm bad. I, yeah, me and God, we're we're a majority. All that. It's not that. It's that you have happiness and cheerfulness, and your heart is just at ease and at peace and joy-filled because of what Jesus did in your life, not because of what you have done or haven't done. And so whenever you come to these areas of victory, and and, and I, don't, I don't know whether anybody ever gets full victory on everything. I, I Theologically, I understand it's there. But I will tell you this, that flesh is flesh no matter whose bones it's on, and there's a constant battle, there's a constant tension all of our, all of our life. Paul said this, he said, oh wretched man, who is going to deliver me from this? And then he said, Jesus is the one who delivers us from this. But it, it the, the joy of is that, uh, Jesus went through everything I did and everything, uh, that ever, anybody's ever been tempted with, and he said, I have overcome the world, be of good cheer. What he's telling you is, hey, I'm gonna make sure that you are able to get through what you're going through, and it's almost always a process. It's never just that. I love the, don't you? Yeah. I love the miracles. I love the instantaneous things. But sometimes there's the process that you go through that brings just as much cheer and joy and, and victory as just the instantaneous deliverances. And I just was speaking to someone not too long ago since we've been here who their testimony was that in one moment they were set free from drugs and alcohol and cigarettes. Literally in one moment, uh, there came where the Spirit of God visited him and he never touched those things again. And then the testimony, you know, he smoked so many packs a day and, you know, all the other things that went with it. And in one moment, God set him free. And I love those. But I will tell you, most of us are working it out in whatever area of stuff. But Jesus said, be good cheer. I've overcome it. I've subdued it. I've conquered it. Now, there are two personal impacts of this endless kingdom 
on you right now. For what, what uh, Peter is saying is he said, okay, there's a door, there's an entrance, you're going through it. It's going to be supplied to you. You're going to have an abundant ability to come into the everlasting kingdom. You know, this thing of, man, we're always just barely making it. It's almost like God's got the carrot and he's dangling it and we never, that's not God at all. He said, I have given you an endless supply of, that has been brought in abundantly into you, into your life to, so, so that you have not just access, but you actually live as a part of this everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's now. That's not, you don't, it's very easy to read that and think, well, he's talking about heaven. No, he's not talking about heaven. Remember just a few uh, verses ago, he was talking about everlasting. The whole concept of everlasting is not future, it's current. That is, it was here before you were here. It's going to be here after you are gone, but it's here right now. That's, part, that's the part you hang on to. It's, everlasting. it's here right now. There's abundance for you to live in the here right now victory that God has for each and every one of us through Jesus Christ. Two ways, two personal impacts of this endless kingdom on you right now. Reformation and transformation. Reformation is you doing. That's what the list was about. You're going to have to be some things. If you want to experience uh, reformation, get involved in God's activity in your life. Well, what do you mean? I thought God just came. No, uh, James says you draw near to God. Come on, all you Bible people. You know the rest of it. And he will draw near to you. Well, I thought he took the first step. He did. That's why you're here. (laughs) But now that you're here, you got some things you need to. You need to be taking some steps. You need to be stepping, not just up, but you need to be stepping in. You need to be saying, God, I, I, I need you. And every, and this is what I'm doing because I need you. So Lord, sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a discipline, but I'm going to read this every day. I'm going to, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to worship every day. We keep talking about worship. Worship changed my life as much as anything has ever changed my life. The daily process of being a worshiper of God. Not just somebody who sings along with the, with the crew on Sunday morning. I love that part too. And that is worship. See, I got saved in the Jesus People movement in the early 70s. And I listened nonstop to Santana and Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I know. Who are they? Uh, well, they're really old guys right now. I can tell you that. Uh, but, uh, but I remember when I really accepted Jesus, uh, when I went out of the Mission. I got saved in downtown Spokane, uh, Skid Row Mission. And I went in to play drums that night. And uh, anyway, long story, got saved there, said yes to Jesus, where I finally said yes to Jesus. But I remember walking out, and, and I have my stack of eight tracks. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And so the kids, Naomi's like, well, Dad, what's an eight track? What's he talking about? Yeah. Look it up in the Smithsonian artifacts of ancient musical things. That's where it will come up. But I remember, and this was before you know, green and save the planet, all that kind of stuff. I went out and I'm driving from Spokane back to Idaho on the freeway, I-90. I'm throwing eight-track tapes out the window. I'm throwing them out. And it's not because some preacher said, you got to do it. I was throwing them out because I said, God, I, 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 there was something in me that just said, I know I can't. I can't. Who's the lead singer with Led Zeppelin? Uh, Robert Plant. Probably the greatest voice. I mean, incredible voice. But he was, you know, he was a, he was a mess. <laughs> Throwing him out. American woman. It's gone. You know, you get, you get the point. Within a couple of days, I had Elvis singing the hymns of the church and plugging them in. And, and uh, that, that was it, man. That was it. Thank God for Lamar Boschman and Hosanna music that came along, you know, 10 years later or whatever and, and, and all of that worship. But it was something, what the whole point I'm making is that when it came to this personal reformation, I had to be involved in it. An angel wasn't there throwing the tapes out. No, that was me saying, God, I, I know whatever it is. There was, it was the Holy Spirit just saying, son, you want to you make it stick? That needs to go. 
Reformation is you doing. If you're in an area and you don't have victory, I can guarantee you, because I know the heart of God. I know the word of God. I know the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, this is what I want you to do about this. And it's not going to be something that's impossible for you. It's just obedience is better than sacrifice. That's the whole point. Last point. Transformation. Transformation. These two personal impacts of the endless kingdom, you being in it and therefore living with greater victory than, than uh, you've maybe been living with in the past, is reformation as you doing, and then transformation as you being. After you do, then the Spirit of God comes, and he... He begins the whole work of transforming you. The old passing away and all things becoming new and you being made into the image of Jesus Christ. You become more and more and more identifiable as somebody who follows Jesus. I was doing a little review of my life and prayer this week and a couple of things. It was just the spirit of God, I guess. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't replaying, you know, um, the past and all that kind of thing. But it was like the Lord was taking me back and I was remembering um, when I was first starting out some particular jobs I was at and I was like, you know what? I suspect it would have been hard for some of the people to know that I was a Christian on that job. And it's not because I was doing bad stuff. It's just that the transformation that Jesus was doing in me, they weren't seeing it yet. There are no secret service agents in the kingdom. There's no CIA heavenly group that you are undercover for the Lord. No, Jesus hung naked on a cross before the world. He said, you're a light. Nobody puts a basket over the lamp. No, you take the basket off. Let it. That's the whole thing. Well, that's transformation. <clears throat> but through the years, as I was kind of rewinding all of that, through the years, I, I, I saw the transforming process to where the past, I've had to work a few secular jobs in the past 10 years or whatever, just to keep administering all of that. And it wasn't that I went, man, I'm a pastor. I'm pretty, it wasn't that at all. I never said, but I'm going to tell you, I realized everybody knew I was a Christian within a very short amount of time. And it was really not because I was carrying a Bible or that I was quoting scripture. Or anything. There was just the fruit of what the spirit of God was doing in my life was visible. That's transformation. They'll see it. And they'll, it says they recognize these as those who had been with Jesus. Why? Because they were like Jesus. Transformation in the church. We live in a world that is just messed up, right? But I'm going to be truthful. It's no more messed up now than in, it's ever been messed up. The world's always been a messed up world. Read Roman history. Read, you know, do all that stuff. It's always been messed up. There's always been leaders that are messed up. There's always been people that are messed up. There's, you know, it's just a sense that that's where Jesus came. Thank God. But in the middle of it, after the cross, after the resurrection, after the book of Acts, we'll probably start looking at the book of Acts a little deeper here in the next few, few months and that kind of thing. But in, in Acts, the reason the world was turned upside down is not because they came in and said, we're going to turn the world upside down. No, the reason the world was turned upside down is because Jesus turned them upside down. And then they just walked it out before the world. Let's stand this morning. The world is still needing to be turned upside down, if you haven't figured that out, right? <laughs> We're going into a, a crazy election cycle coming up here in November and all of that. It's time for the church to shine like the church has never shined. And I don't mean the building. I mean God's people. You don't have to be picking it out on, out on a street and all of that kind of thing. But what you do need to be doing is living a life that brings honor to him. And, and as that uh, uh, becomes revealed out of you to a world that doesn't know anything about it. You know, I'm amazed at how Christians get upset with sinners acting like sinners. <laughs> That's just, it's who they are, all right? That's just who they are. You don't need to be upset about it. You need to pray for them. You need to be kind to them. You need to love them. What you need to do is be transformed. 
You need to be the light of the world. You need to be the salt. You need, and, um, uh, and so I'm praying that that's, that just becomes not just this church, but that just becomes so powerful in our community and in our nation. But it starts with you. It starts with me. And it really starts with living in victory. And so if you're here today, I'm not going to make a big altar call or anything like that, but I am going to ask you to shut your eyes and just contemplate, just focus on what the Spirit of God is doing. If you've got area, an area of your life where you're, where you're really wanting to be free and you're really needing victory there, you've been suffering defeat in it, and you've just been all down in yourself and all that kind of stuff, I just want you to just, number one, take a deep breath and, and, and realize this. God loves you and he's in charge. Uh, he's bigger than that thing is that you think is bigger than you. And it is bigger than you, but it's not bigger than him. And there's something happens with very childlike faith when it says, Lord, this is bigger than me, and so I cast this care upon you because you care for me. If you're here and you're struggling with something, I want you to take that and right now just lift your hands toward heaven and just like, God, here's a gift. I'm, I'm casting my care upon you. Lord, take this, and then you fill in your blank. And, Lord, I want I don't want it to dominate me anymore. I want to live in cheerful deliverance and freedom in that right now in the name of Jesus. I'll do my part, God. I'll go through the list that Peter talked. I'll do my very best, God. But even in my very best, I'm probably going to fail. But, Lord, you're going to make it so that you'll make a way where there seems to be no. You'll help me in my weakness, God. When I'm weak, Paul said, then I become strong. Holy Spirit, minister right now. Set them free from nicotine addiction, Jesus. Somebody right now, you've just been, it's not you've been wanting to give up, you've, you've, but there's something in you that's like, you know what, I need to let go of this. That's the Spirit of God. Cast the care upon him right now. I'm not going to go through lists, but I felt someone just needed to be encouraged in that. Anger. Somebody just struggling with that. Man, the, flip, the, the, the switch flips, and it's just like, oh, God, help me. Lord, Cast that care upon him right now in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ, this is this moment right now that you're at, this is the moment for you. Just a moment, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dismiss the service. If you're here and you're wanting to accept Jesus, I'm going to be down front. I want you to come and talk to me. If you're here today and you've been kind of away from the Lord, I want you to come and say, I'm, I'm ready to come back. I'll pray with you. I'll talk with you. There'll be a few others down here. If you're here this morning and you want to receive prayer for some area within your life, we're going to open the altars and there'll be a few folks down here and we'll pray for you. But let's just uh, conclude and end uh, this service in this way. Let me pray a blessing over your life. Holy Spirit, lift your hands. Holy Spirit, I release upon the people today the, uh, the power of an open heaven. Lord, where the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, where the ministry of the Holy Spirit is released upon every person in this room. And that God, it's going to be an abiding presence that goes with them when they leave this place. Lord, it's not like they leave and the presence of God is gone. No, it's going to be when they leave, the Spirit of God is going to go with them. And greater is He that's in them than He that's in the world. Lord, I pray that people here today, this week, would experience supernatural victory and deliverance from things that have been binding them up for decades, God. This week, there's going to be the steps and there's going to be the release of freedom upon their life and the joy of the Lord that comes with that. Lord, we commit ourselves as a church to our city and to our region. God, we want to be light and we want to be salt. Lord, we want to be the influencers, not on a website or a a social media, but we want to be the influencers from the supernatural realm into the natural realm. In Jesus' name, anoint us all to be that. And everybody that said, I love the Lord, just say, amen, I receive it. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you back next Sunday. Show yourselves friendly today. Spend some time talking to somebody you don't know.